The Great Resignation was just one of the fallouts of the pandemic. As a result, leaders recognized the need to improve communication with their teams. Some organizations put a lot of time and money into employee surveys, which sounds like a good thing, right? However, what ended up happening was employees poured a great deal of thoughtfulness into these surveys and heard nothing but radio silence, which then sends a very different message Hi, I'm Irene Silber with the Vanguard Network. Gorik Ng is a Harvard-trained career advisor who focuses on young professionals, particularly those who are first-generation college students. His book, The Unspoken Rules, was written as a guidebook for those young professionals, but it turns out to have a lot of teachable moments for C-suite leaders as well. Ng was a session leader at a recent Vanguard Dialogue along with Vanguard's founder, Ken Banta. They talked about post-pandemic challenges young professionals and C-suite leaders both faced. Former public TV journalist Ken Stone was the moderator. This is going to be an interesting dialogue, in part because Gorik Ng has written a book called The Unspoken Rules, and it's aimed at people at the beginning of their career. Ken Banta has spent most of his career advising leaders uh, how to lead those people. And so I think we're gonna find something interesting in the middle that can be shared. Uh, let's start with Gorik though. Gorik, first of all, uh, the unspoken rules. Why, why did you write the book? It really came from both the head and the heart. So from the head, I was a first generation professional. So the first in my family to pursue a corporate career. And when I arrived in corporate America, I found myself wondering, wait a second, there are all of these expectations that school never taught me and that my managers and leaders expect me to magically know. How inefficient is it for, at least in the US alone, for 4 million new grads to be going through the school to work transition every year, blindfolded, completely going through this through trial and error. And so I thought, well, instead of having all of this talent be wasted, in the early stages of their career, what if I could interview over 500 professionals across geographies, industries, and job types, and understand what is it that we all learn through trial and error, hopefully eventually, and deconstruct it down to a toolkit that everyone can use. I got to stop you right of, there. I got to stop you right there for just a moment because you went to Harvard, for heaven's sakes. Uh, so one would expect that that university would give you those lessons, but they didn't. It gave me a front row seat to the people who had received these lessons growing up over the dinner table. So Harvard was a place where I was in the presence of, I would think that the, the highest concentration of people who could call their family members and parents, doctors, lawyers, senators, professionals. And this really speaks to my story um, in my upbringing where I'm the proud son of a working class single parent who left school when she was 12 years old. So when I was learning to write my resume, it was through Google. It was by sitting at the public library for the 30 minute time slot that was available. It wasn't through my parents, where was, which was where so many of my peers were getting their education. This really isn't a book necessarily for the individual new grad or intern. This is, and this is why we're having this conversation today, it's a leadership challenge. So it's not just about self-help. It's not just about, well, in this case, tossing the book over the fence and expecting an intern to figure things out on their own. 
I hope that this can spark a broader dialogue around how do we develop young talent? How do we retain them? How do we engage them? How do, should we be conducting ourselves as leaders? Ken Banta, what about that? It is interesting, as you said, that uh, there is a urgent need for these different perspectives to meet in the middle. In other words, uh, for uh, effective uh, development of people at the front lines, which is what these younger colleagues essentially are, uh, the top of the tree has to model the right kind of behaviors and the right kind of culture, or they won't be developed effectively. And that's not just a uh, detriment for those younger uh, individuals who might leave the organization or do something else uh, instead or not be developed fully. It's a direct uh, equation of high performance for the organization because these are the people who do the work. Uh, really, everyone else is in the middle and they are they are transmission belts from uh, the CEO to the frontline people who are these individuals. So uh, it's really of paramount importance for CEOs, board members, and C-suite leaders to focus on this group, not just as a kind of after thought, but is there, when they get up in the morning, they should be asking, what are we doing to make sure that these people have the right experience and develop the high performance capabilities that we know they can, uh, A, for their benefit, but B, for the organization. And now, especially uh, in the uh, extraordinary war for talent that's going on today, uh, which we all read about and see, uh, you know, people walk with their feet if they're not getting the right treatment. So uh, this is not really an optional uh, matter for a company that wants to succeed. Um, the final thing I'd say is that, uh, you know, uh, the other hot topic these last several years has been DEI. It's been should have been a hot topic for the last hundred, but it's certainly a hot topic today. And um, it's as Gorick said, you know, people who have uh, been brought up in the right uh, upper middle class surroundings uh, and sort of get the uh, the right leadership capabilities, the right development, uh, almost through osmosis at the dinner table, but others don't. And uh, therefore, uh, I think we both see it as absolutely critical that we level the playing field here and make sure that uh, people who come from less privileged backgrounds uh, really have the same opportunities. And the only way you do that again is by giving them the right foundations uh, as they enter the workforce and help them uh, succeed. And that I think is, uh, there's no one else who can lead the way on that, but the CEO. So let's talk a little bit about what, what these younger new employees, younger workers need, and then how do leaders provide that? Uh, so uh, Gorik, maybe start off with, could you give us a, one of the, or two of the unspoken rules and, and tell us why they're important? Sure thing. Well, the first one that comes to mind is actually, uh, it, it's performance versus potential. And it's something that both I and Ken have mentioned already. Those tuning in will see this as, well, of course, this is the nine box matrix in human resources. It's low performance, medium performance, high performance on the bottom. It's low potential, medium potential, high potential on the side. And we're going to go ahead and promote the people who are at the top right-hand quadrant of that nine box matrix. Now that's HR speak, that's leadership speak, that's performance management speak. What I didn't realize was that actually this is one of those unspoken rules that no one really teaches you, that you need to show high performance, which means you need to be reliable. You need to be responsive. You need to do what you say you will do. You have to be detail-oriented. You have to get the job done. But putting your head down and letting your good work speak for itself will only get you so far because high performers don't necessarily get promoted. They get asked to train other people or they get asked to retain their current position. That's where potential comes in, where you need to have a point of view. You need to show up with solutions rather than just problems. You need to anticipate problems and look around corners. You need to manage up, manage down, manage stakeholders all around. 
you need to see the big picture and think strategically about the work rather than just put your head down and assume that someone else has thought about these things for you. And so when leaders hear me speak, they're probably thinking, well, I'm just spewing common sense right now. Well, that's actually precisely the challenge, which is that what is common sense to some is actually not common sense to all. It's, it's tacit knowledge. And it's as if you're looking both ways before crossing the street. Well, it's, it's common sense to those of us who've done that before, but ask a kindergartner to look both ways and you'll quickly realize that that, that really isn't common sense. And so what ends up emerging is you have some talent coming into the organization thinking that, as I did, that it's just about putting your head down, doing the good work, and letting your good work speak for itself. And when leaders assume that something like this performance versus potential matrix is common sense, you start wondering, well, wh why is it that this person just isn't taking initiative? Why is this person not going above and beyond? Why are they not coming to the happy hour? Why are they not speaking up in meetings? Well, it might just be that those expectations weren't set clearly up front. Ken Banta, is a lack of communication uh, perhaps the original sin of, of uh, top leaders? Um, well, you know, I mean, people talk a lot about communication, and I do agree that it's important, but what matters more is your actions. And so uh, there's lots of communication going on about the things we're talking about, but there isn't always a lot of action around it. And these um, nine box matrices are one of those things that drive me crazy. I mean, uh, you know, a, a CEO should not be looking at life through a nine box matrix. They should be looking at it as if every person they hired should have the capability to be in the top right corner. Otherwise, why do they hire them? And, uh, you know, HR, uh, good though they may be, are sometimes the problem. I mean, they're busy parking people in boxes and they're not actually treating everybody as a human. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, the Communication, sure, but I think uh, what speaks louder, as always, is 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 actions. And uh, what can a CEO do in this? Well, they can get right to the front lines to find out what's going on. So uh, typically, uh, many CEOs uh, find themselves talking to people who are their direct reports or the reports to the reports. Uh, they may never really get to talk to the people who are at the front lines, who are the newer uh, employees. But those are the people they should be spending, I would argue, uh, a lot of their time with, uh, because uh, not only are they the ones who, again, know what's going on, they're the ones who are in touch with the customer, with the work. Uh, they're also the future of the company or the future of the organization organization of the future of the industry that you're in. So, uh, you know, it's really very wise to uh, invest in them. And by listening to them, I think you learn very quickly what it is they need. In the era of, of COVID, there's been over-surveying. This is something I've heard from a lot of organizations and employees, which is that they get an employee pulse survey every other day, every, every week, asking, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? But as I think about the conversation that I've had with these employees over the course of the pandemic, it started off actually with a great degree of optimism where folks said, oh my goodness, for the first time ever, our leaders are excited about hearing what's going on in our lives, that there's acknowledgement that we have feelings, that we have goals, that we have pains that, out, that, that, that don't fit neatly into a dashboard or, 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 or a diagram or something that gets rolled up to the C-suite. So there's a great deal of of excitement um, that maybe corporate America and, and, and leaders have started thinking about management in a different way. However, what ended up happening was employees poured a great deal of thoughtfulness into these surveys and heard nothing but radio silence, which then sends a very different message, 
which is that, oh, this is another one of those check the, check the box corporate exercises. You're not actually looking to hear what I think. You're just doing this because everyone else is doing it. And so when it comes to listening to your employees, there is the message you send on the first occasion and the pattern you set from instance two onwards, which is you will undoubtedly, if you haven't surveyed your employees or heard about their, their, their thoughts on projects yet, you will undoubtedly get, well, first you might get some skepticism, admittedly, but you will get a great deal of excitement from your employees around, wow, you're excited to hear my perspective. Let me give it. But whether people will be willing to give you their thoughts, their authentic thoughts thereafter is going to depend on whether you acknowledge what you've received and that you respond to it and that ultimately you act on it. So it's, it's not really a be careful what you wish for. It's more of a well, if you're going to do this, go all the way. Don't just do this for the sake of doing it. Um, I'd say the other uh, factor that uh, is often um, misunderstood uh, or not applied in a, in a rigorous way is um, earning trust. Because uh, underlying a lot of the things we've been talking about is the, the duty of a leader to build trust and earn trust with the people that work for him or her. Now, they also have a duty to earn their leader's trust. So it's a two-way street. But uh, if they both do that, then a lot of great things are going to happen. If they don't have that, then you can have all the uh, rules spoken or unspoken you want. Uh, you're not going to get where you need to go. And so I think that's where the uh, the leadership um, element comes into play. That's uh, a very different kind of um, deliverable. That was Vanguard's founder, Ken Banta, speaking with author Gora King and journalist Ken Stone. Dialogues and podcasts like this are just some of the benefits of joining the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silver. Thanks for listening.